ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about the mental aspect? How, how much did you need it to like unplug versus also go back and watch tape and self scout? Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, looking at looking at the good, looking at the bad, the first half. Um, you know how hot we started, and then obviously the last three games of like, all right, what's going on? What's you know what can we be better at um, for myself especially? And um, it was huge. But to be able to like step away from the game, take a breather, understand where we're at, what we have to do, it was huge for me to clear my mind and. And then come back like excited, you know, for the second second half and uh, the stretch of football that we have to play. Good, some good football that we have to play. So, feel good. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, a little reality set in after that great start to his career, five and zero, and ready to hand them the Lombardi Trophy. I know I was after they splattered the Cowboys Week Five Sunday Night Football. Then losses at Cleveland, at Minnesota in primetime, and then they come home. And Joe Burrow and the Bengals win by 14. Lot to process. I said yesterday, Kyle Shanahan was probably miserable the entire bye week. Stressed out, worried, focused, trying to turn this thing around, Peter. And this is the biggest test so far of Brock Purdy's career. How does he respond to these three straight losses? How does he get it back on track against a great Jaguars team that also has had two weeks to get ready for this game? This is the game of the day. This is the game of the week. Because if Jaguars win, we have to take them seriously as a shortlist Super Bowl contender. If the 49ers lose, on top of that, maybe they aren't all that this year. Maybe they can't compete with the best teams in the NFC. I can't see it happening. But if it happens, how differently we're going to view both the AFC and the NFC come Monday morning. Well, Mike, I agree with most of what you said, but I'm not sure a win on, uh, on Sunday makes them, you know, just catapults them into shortlist Super Bowl contender. Not that I've got anything against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in fact, the most important thing that they can do, and look, I predicted it at the start of the year, but the most important thing by far that they can do is win home field in the AFC. 
because I think we can all look at this. We can all look at what is happening right now in the AFC. And let's just logically sort of look forward and, and ask this question. If they win home field, okay, then in a loaded AFC playoff race, right, they would avoid one game, which is huge. And in the loaded AFC playoff race, if they win home field, then they get, let's just say for the sake of argument, Baltimore and Kansas City at home, you know, in the span of eight days, or Cincinnati and Baltimore at home, which clearly would give them a better chance than having to win three straight games, the first one at home, but then two on the road, let's say at the Big Crab Cake and at Cincinnati or at Kansas City. And I don't mean to in any way get too far over our skis, but the reality of this thing is the most important thing about this game for Jacksonville is not to me catapulting themselves into uh, you know Super Bowl contention. It is making them a prime contender to be the number one team in the AFC, which is a gigantic edge. And let me look at it one point about San Francisco. And that is that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, but because I agree, totally agree that this is a huge game for the 49ers. They have scored 17 points three weeks in a row, right? But they didn't have Debo Samuel basically for virtually all of that time. And the last time they had a healthy Debo Samuel, they put up 42 on the Cowboys. So I don't think the San Francisco 49ers will be scoring in the teens this week. They're going to score well in this game. I think Brock Purdy's going to rebound, Mike, from a guy who scored 17, 17, and 17 in consecutive weeks. I think he's going to put up enough points to win. The, the part of this team that, to me, has been bothersome the whole year is that even though they've done a good job in scoring defense, right, they have not been great on defense. They have not been the dominant team that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch thought that they would be when they went out and signed Javon Hargrave. And that is why of all the players in the NFL this weekend, all of them, I'm watching Chase Young. He got elevated to number one on the depth chart after a very short time in camp uh, with the 49ers. So what we're going to see is we're going to see if Chase Young on one side and his old friend from Columbus, Nick Bosa on the other side, can be the formidable pass rush tandem that I think this team desperately needs. Quickly on the Jaguars, I think we agree. We're just speaking different languages on why they would be Super Bowl contenders. If you beat the 49ers, you get closer to that one seed that makes you a Super Bowl contender yeah. because it improves your chances for Super Bowl contention because you stay home for all of the playoffs. Now, looking ahead on their schedule, yeah. they still have the Ravens and the Bengals. 
They both come to Jacksonville. So if the Jaguars get the one seed, they will have earned it. But this is one big check. This is one big win that they can get to try to get that one seed in the AFC and force everyone to come to them. As to the 49ers, the defense has been an issue. And, you know, Peter, when you have Robert Sala as the coordinator, he does a great job, he becomes a head coach. Then you've got D'Amico Ryans, does a great job, becomes a head coach. Then comes Steve Wilkes, that a lot of people thought should have been the head coach of the Panthers after what he did last year as the interim head coach. But something's been off with the defense this year. There's been criticism of Wilkes. Yep. There was that moment with the zero blitz at the end of the half in the Vikings game that may have determined the outcome when you give the Vikings that extra touchdown they shouldn't have had. Now Wilkes moves to the sideline from the booth. That was something Kyle Shanahan disclosed to reporters on Wednesday. On Thursday, Wilkes met with reporters. Here's what he had to say about his move from upstairs to downstairs. I mean, I mean, guys, to, to me, I, th I think just very candid. I think we're making a bigger deal out of it than, than it needs to be, to be honest. But uh, I just want to be able to communicate with the guys a little bit more during the game. You know, certain things that I'm seeing, I'd rather be able to talk to them directly uh, than, you know, to communicate with coaches. I think our coaches do a great job, uh, number one, throughout the week, but also in-game adjustments. You know, that's one of the things I, I've really – you know, pride ourselves on and how we communicate as a staff and making the right things uh, throughout the game. So uh, it's just really with me just wanting to be able to communicate with those guys a little bit more. I wouldn't expect him to do anything other than downplay it. But, Peter, the reality is it's a, it's a significant change. It alters his perspective on the game, and he's doing it because he believes it's necessary to improve something that isn't working the way it needs to. He's trying to address the problem, improve the communication with the players, because there's something about that lack of communication they believe is contributing to the outcome. If they didn't think it was a problem, they wouldn't do it. The mere fact that they're doing it shows that they're acknowledging there's a problem with the way things were with that absence of communication, and they're hoping that this is the thing that gets the defense back on track. <clears throat> Mike, remember a few years ago when Robert Sala, I remember charting this in one game, a Monday night game. And I remember, I think it was Monday and not Thursday, but it, it was a primetime game. And I charted how many times in a Seattle-San Francisco game Robert Sala was shown on TV. And I think, I, and I'm, I, listen, I'm going to guess now, it was something like, 110. 110 times the camera went to Robert Sala, the very expressive defensive coordinator of the 49ers at, you know, on the field during the game. But I think one of the other things that I have thought about in the wake of the 49ers making this decision, I would disagree with you on this. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. It's a big deal because moment to moment, he can tell Fred Warner, hey, Fred, blah, 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 whatever. This is what I'm seeing, blah, blah, blah. And, and look, if you choose to do that with the signal caller on your defense, you can talk to him, obviously, if you choose to, until there's 15 seconds left on the play clock because that's when communication gets shut off. However, there's still 10 other guys on the defense who you can't talk directly to. And Mike, you're right. You're right. The communication will be better. 
But Steve Wilkes has been used to the visuals. And the visuals, I think he believes, it's better overall if you can look at all 22 from upstairs. And and would he have made this change had Kyle Shanahan not been... And, and I don't even know if, Kyle, if I could say Kyle Shanahan was insistent on it. Clearly, he, he likes what has happened, and he's the head coach, and it's happening. But I tend to think that you've seen, you've seen it work both ways. You know, you, you really have. You've seen coordinators sitting upstairs, offensive and defense, and then you've seen, you know, you look at Kansas City, Matt Nagy, offensive coordinator on the field. You know, Ken Dorsey, Buffalo Bills, Mike Kafka, New York Giants. I mean, look, those aren't great offenses right now. But I'm just saying that teams do it different ways. And I think it's a lot more significant, the addition of Chase Young to that defense, than where Steve Wilkes is going to be on Sunday in Jacksonville. Well, we'll see what Chase Young can do. They gave up a third-round pick for him. It feels like a half-season rental like they did with Emmanuel Sanders in 2019. They gave up a third-round pick plus more to get him, and he was only on the team half of the season left as a free agent. That's what Young may do if there isn't a long-term deal. They're trying to beef up that pass rush. It hasn't been good enough. But I still believe they wouldn't have done this if they didn't think there was a problem with the defense, and they wouldn't have gone out and gotten Chase Young if they didn't think there was a problem with the defense. This defense isn't where they thought it was going to be, and it's a couple of moves that aren't quite desperation but they're unexpected that the 49ers would have had to do these things eight games into the season. Let's take a break. Can Josh Dobbs do it again? That and more with a Week 10 grab bag next here on this Friday edition of PFT Live. As of now, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, much the same. You know, still staying across the street, living out of a suitcase and everything. I did, um, my car made it from Arizona, so it's the first thing that's made it up here. So. You know, we'll, we'll piecemeal life um, outside of the building together. Um, but, yeah, you know, it feels good, like, in the complex. I thought it was really fun after the game when you win. Obviously, plane rides back home are, are very enjoyable. So just having a chance to uh, informally meet teammates and coaches um, and just, you know, talk ball but also just talk life um, off the field was really cool, just starting to get to know my teammates. So, um, But as of now, everything is pretty similar in life. Um, yeah, and you don't focus on the next opportunity. So as I said, you know, each week there's storylines made, and you know, if you, <clears throat> if you don't show up and play next week, then no one cares about last week. So I'm excited for the next opportunity to go out and compete. Thank you again, Arizona Cardinals. Josh Dobbs comes in when things were about as dark as they could have been for the Vikings. I mean, think about it. Kirk Cousins has that great game on Monday Night Football against the 49ers. Best game of his career. Playing the best football of his career. Becoming a true top 10. When you looked around the league, there weren't more than 10 other guys better than him right now. There goes the Achilles tendon. They don't know what they're going to do. By Tuesday, they have Josh Dobbs. By Sunday, he wasn't starting. By the end of the first drive, Jaron Hall, the starter in that game, is out. Enter Josh Dobbs. Vikings beat the Falcons. Move to 5-4. and four. And now, Peter, here's the question as we do our Week 10 grab bag. Scale of 1 to 10, what is your confidence level that Josh Dobbs can get it done again with the benefit of a full week of actually being in Minnesota? ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. 
Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I think that's a great question. Uh, he's going to play, I think, about an equivalent defense. He's going to have the benefit of playing at home. He's going to have the benefit of knowing the offense better. But, Mike, this is what I've said about Josh Dobbs since I talked to him, I think, in 2019, whatever. Mike, do you realize that Josh Dobbs, when he was a kid, growing up in Alpharetta, Georgia, dreamed of being one of two things. One, an astronaut. Two, an NFL quarterback. All right? And so, and you say an astronaut, what's that all about? Josh Dobbs, it was either three or four off-seasons ago, interned at NASA in, in Florida. You know, spent whatever, five, six weeks at NASA, because he has always jonesed to go up in space. And I don't know what the future holds. He might be a little bit too old after he gets out of the NFL. But this has been a dream of his. And so for everybody who said, oh, my God, how do you learn this offense? As I wrote in my column this week, Mike, Josh Dobbs has been on five teams in the last 45 weeks. Five, five. Late December, Detroit last year. Goes to Tennessee, plays two games at the end of the year for the quarterback needy Titans. Signs with Cleveland as a free agent in the offseason. Gets traded to Arizona in late August. And then plays for half a year in Arizona. And then after he's told, oh, no, 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 no. We're promoting Tommy Toon, but you are not going to be traded. And his agent, Mike McCartney, says to him, hey, you better have a bag packed just in case. And of course, he has a bag packed three and a half hours later. He's on a nonstop flight from Phoenix to Minnesota, gets ready, plays in the game a little bit, and now has a real week to, to get ready. And, and, so, and I only mention the NASA stuff, Mike, because I think what you need to understand if you're, if you're kind of studying Josh Dobbs, and, you know, and making plays like this in a game. 
you know, he's incredibly smart. If you had, uh, you know, IQ testing of every player in the NFL, Josh Dobbs is going to be in the top five. Easy. Might be in the top one. And and so nothing about, you know, you know, getting a game plan and understanding an offense is a, that stuff doesn't intimidate him. You know, he, he's 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 studied to be, you know, at, at this very very advanced level of aerospace technology and all that. So, and I only say that because I think it's a great story, incredible story, but it's not impossible to learn enough to be competent if you've got a quarterback coach who honestly Kevin O'Connell was last week. And Mike, you heard the stories. And and we both talked to Dobbs after the game. Kevin O'Connell was te- telling him in his ear up to the 15-second mark when communication is cut off, okay, here's what I want you to do. You got to watch for this. You got to watch for that. And so we would t- say the play in the huddle, and he would have mentally, okay, listen, I'm looking for K.J. Osborne here. I'm looking for Addison here. And, and so, you know, that is the mark of somebody who's really, really smart. And look, the Minnesota Vikings are sitting there five and four, and they kind of lucked out in the fact that they were able to steal Josh Dobbs, and we'll see what happens. But they right now, of all the individual stories in the league, I said I'm going to be watching Chase Young every snap. How, how do you not watch Josh Dobbs all day? on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. So give me your confidence level, 1 to 10, that he's going to be able to get it done with a full week of preparation. 1 to 10, how are you feeling? 7. You know, I think that he's, he's playing a difficult defense that rushes the passer very well. But I think that Kevin O'Connell, Mike, the one thing I really, really like about Kevin O'Connell is that in his history, where he is coached, you know what the book on him is? He figures out what is going to work in this specific week, and he figures out which players he needs to mobilize to get them ready to do certain tasks, which is really what a head coach should be able to do. A good head coach needs to do that. And I think he has the weaponry around him. You know, he's got a good back, not a great back. He's got a good back. And I think he has very much good enough receivers, even without Justin Jefferson. And you saw it. Look, you know, when Kirk Cousins played with no Jefferson, three games, three wins, Completion percentage of what? 71%. So you can win in this this offense. And look, he had some clunker games with Arizona. However, he's got a better supporting cast in Minnesota than he had in Arizona. And one thing he's going to have on Sunday that he's never had before in his entire career, it's going to be a hero's welcome for Josh Dobbs when he comes out of the tunnel. That's a great point. They are going to be going crazy for yeah. him. He is going to see a lot of ease. He's going to see a lot of ease, Peter. I got it ready already. I'm ready. I'm all in. I'll go, I'll go eight in my confidence level for Josh Dobbs, having the benefit of the full week, knowing the full game plan, practicing as the starter. Yeah. They spent all week getting Jaron Hall ready. He was the afterthought. Yeah. 
and he was still ready to go this week it'll be the, the difference though is saints offense pretty damn good should be a great game on sunday all right give me your dog of the week i'm looking at the spreads i'm looking at the games you know i'll go first because to me i only have one underdog winning and that is the vikings they're favored no i mean excuse me the saints are favored by two and a half points which is kind of surprising to me i think the vikings will win that game on sunday mike i think this is a tough week to look at dogs and you know to try to figure out who's really got a chance part of me wants to pick the chargers not because of what I saw on Monday, just because I think at some point Justin Herbert is going to explode. And, and you know, I think he's really going to be good. But I think if, if I am going to look at all of the dogs this weekend and say, you know, even though it's not a, uh, you know, an overwhelming thing, I think what I would say is that I kind of like uh, I kind of like in the Atlanta-Arizona game, even though it's sort of a weird way to look at it, I like Arizona a little bit because I think they get a boost from Kyler Murray coming into this game. He's going to make some plays with his legs. And I don't know. I I would say Arizona, even though it's not, you know, what is it, one and a half, two points, you know, it's not a, it's not like day of the dog or anything like that, but give me Arizona. The Vikings actually have moved to plus three. So more faith in the saints moving the line from two and a half to three. And I thought you were going to take the giants getting 17. No, I, I still, I think the spread in the giants Cowboys game should be 27, not 17. We'll see how that plays out. And don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus all customers can get a no sweat, same game parlay every day. Download the app, use the promo code PFT live. When you sign up DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Two of the best defenses in the NFL meet on Sunday when the Browns go to Baltimore. Who will come out on top? We'll talk about that game next here on this Friday edition of PFT Live. I, I believe, I'm not trying to toot our horn, but I believe our defense has no weakness uh, just from the defensive line, the linebacker, how they flying around and disguising defenses uh, to make it look like one coverage, but it's something else, and, and how they, how they um, time up their blitzes. It helps us out a lot, you know, because we playing other teams. They find them around giving us their best shot. It's like we saying one of the best defenses every day. Great point by Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback. When you're facing that defense all the time, it makes you better. You're better prepared when it's time to go play games because you don't see defenses as good as Baltimore's very often. However, Peter, this weekend, pretty good defense coming to town. Cleveland Browns getting another shot at the Ravens. Back in week four, Baltimore won 27-3 in Cleveland. That was the game that Deshaun Watson said he was going to play. He had the shoulder injury. They decided on game day not to play him. Dorian Thompson Robinson got the start. It did not go well for the Browns that day. They needed to go better now. You know, the Ravens are trying to separate from that pack. They're 7-2, and two, three teams behind them. Browns, Bengals, Steelers, all 5-3. and three opportunity for the Ravens to keep doing what they've done at home recently, which is dismantle teams like the Lions and the Seahawks. Who do you think has the edge between the two defenses? I think right now 
um, you know, if I'm just looking at sort of raw data, I think I would take Baltimore's slightly because, look, I think everybody could say, well, geez, look at what Cleveland did last week. They are unbelievable. And they were unbelievable, but they were unbelievable against a first-time quarterback who probably shouldn't have been starting in the NFL and against uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, teams in the league. Whereas Baltimore last week, if you look at what they did to the Seattle Seahawks, that is one of the most impressive performances since John Harbaugh has been their head coach. And you say, oh, wow, how, how do you say that? You know, they had Ray Lewis, they had this. It's just Because it just was. Seattle's good. And they just did not let the Seahawks breathe. Mike, I, I kind of look at something else coming into this game. When I look at Lamar Jackson, as you look at this defense right here, it just, it's oppressive. You know, the safety, Geno Stone has been having a great year, leads the NFL in interceptions. You know, they, they simply did not let Geno Smith breathe last week. But Mike, I, I also want to make this point that in his career against the Cleveland Browns, you know, Lamar Jackson is 7-3, and three, and he's completed 68% of his throws, and he's been extremely impressive against the Browns. His quarterback rating is exactly 100. And I bring all that up because, look, the Browns have had a good defense. Maybe not as good as the one they have right now. But Lamar Jackson has great experience in knowing exactly how Miles Garrett plays. He's got great experience in knowing how that secondary covers. So I kind of like Baltimore a little bit, not only because they're playing at home, not only because, you know, they skunked them earlier in this season when uh, obviously Cleveland was was without Deshaun Watson. But I, number three, honestly, I like Baltimore in this game because I still don't really know what to expect out of Deshaun Watson. That's the key. He came back last week and played the full game against the Cardinals, completed 19 of 30 passes for 219 yards and two touchdowns. But again, it was the Cardinals, a team that had 58 total yards offensively. This will be a different experience. This is the team that beat the Browns 27 to 3 in their own building and beat the Lions 38 to 6 at home, beat the Seahawks 37 to 3. It's one of the reasons why they've got the highest point differential by far plus 115 the next team is plus 80 the bills so the ravens don't just beat you they beat you up and it's going to be a real challenge for the browns on both sides of the ball especially in baltimore and you know peter this really is the opportunity for the ravens to separate they've got the browns sunday they've got the bengals next thursday night hey folks if you suffered through panthers bears this thursday night here's the reward it's Bengals at Ravens next Thursday night, and that will be a key game. But Sunday's game important as well, because if the Browns are going to make a run, if the Browns are going to rise up, if the Browns are going to be a playoff contender, this is the game they have to declare themselves in. They're running out of chances. Huge difference. Obviously, every time you have a game and you win or lose, it's a huge difference. But just think about five and four, six and three. Five and four, six and three. 
and after they've already lost to the Ravens, they get swept, they fall three games behind, they're not winning the division. You know, the other thing I would say, Mike, is the reason why this five-game stretch for Baltimore is absolutely vital for the AFC North is that the the Ravens are sitting here right now, two and one in the division, having played each team once and having played each team once on the road. They won at Cincinnati, they won at Cleveland, and they lost at Pittsburgh. So now think of this. If they were to sweep Cleveland and Cincinnati in these five games, it isn't only in those five days, it isn't only that the Ravens would be sitting there at nine and two, but they would have a commanding advantage in this division because nobody's beaten them in a tiebreaker. They would really have to collapse down the stretch. And the other thing is, Mike, if you think about it and you look at their schedule, they've got, and I forget, I've written this a couple of times, after they play the Bengals, they've got, I think, two games in the next 26 days. This is a time for the Ravens, if they can take advantage right now, they're going to be one of the most rested teams, maybe the most rested team of any contender down the stretch in this season. So this is a gigantic uh, five-day stretch for the Ravens and for the AFC North. After that Bengals game, we see them following their mini-buy Sunday night football week 12 at the Chargers. Then they have their full buy. Then they have the Rams coming to Baltimore. And then we see them Sunday night again at the Jaguars, December 17. Huge game because by then it could be Ravens clearly the division winners in the AFC North. Jaguars clearly the division winners in the AFC South. And one seed, Peter... One seed may hinge on that game. Ravens at the Jaguars coming up December 17 on NBC and Peacock. Let's take a break. When we return, mention the Bengals. They have the Texans coming to town and C.J. Stroud. Can the Bengals keep it going, keep winning, keep getting closer to the top of the AFC North? More PFT Live right after this. You set out your goals for each season. Is winning the MVP, a goal of yours? Yeah, eventually it's tough to, you know, everything has to to go to go right for you to win that award. You know, you usually have to have the best record. A lot of things play into it, so I'd like to win one eventually, but it's not it's not number one on my list for sure. Yeah, I feel like going into every year, that's my goal. Play better than I did the, the year before. Uh, trending that way, trending that way, but like I said, still a lot of football left to be played. A lot of plays to play, a lot of games to play, a lot of practices to, to get better. So uh, that's that's how we got to take it. Anyone that wins the NFL MVP award would say, I'd much rather win the Super Bowl MVP award. It was a long drought from 1999 with Kurt Warner until 2022 with Patrick Mahomes of someone getting that double dip. But you, yeah, if you have a great season, if you're the one seed and you do the things that a quarterback does to propel a team to be the number one seed, you're one of the finalist to be the MVP and Peter it could be Joe Burrow by the time it's all said and done they have a habit of starting slow finding the gas pedal and never stopping they could keep winning and winning they could catch the Ravens next Thursday night with three losses 
they need to get past the Texans first. And, you know, hey, C.J. Stroud, we know what he's doing. But Joe Burrows look pretty damn good. Do you think this is the best we've seen of him so far in his career? I would say the last month, ever since he started playing well after his, you know, his calf evidently is healed now. Uh, I don't think it's 100%. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't sound like it was 100%, but he was playing it pretty close to the vest. I think he's figured out how to play with it. Uh, But, Mike, I think Joe Burrow right now, if you trust any individual player in the NFL more than him, uh, I'm not sure who it would be. And they're going to need that trust this week because whether Jamar Chase plays, whether T. Higgins plays, this is a team that's going to come in a little bit wounded to this game. And, you know, Mike, this week when I was sort of looking at some numbers and looking at how guys have played, I think it's fairly incredible that if you look at C.J. Stroud and you see him, he's passed for 51 yards more per game than Joe Burrow so far this year. If you look at the uh, you know touchdown to interception margin and CJ Stroud is leading the NFL with plus 13 touchdown to interception margin and Joe Burrow is plus eight a lot of that has to do with the fact that he entered the year not being healthy and he he played hurt early on and didn't play well but I am just pretty much like everybody else. I'm amazed that C.J. Stroud has come in with a new team, with all new players. And the book on the uh, Houston Texans coming into this year was, you know, just hold the fort. We need another offseason at least to get good weapons and to make sure that we have a good enough offensive line around this quarterback. And, you know, he's defied everything that people said before the year that this is a growing year. This is not anything, you know, that they're going to be competitive this year. But, Mike, I remember talking to C.J. Stroud after the Tennessee, or I'm sorry, after the Houston-Jacksonville game where they skunked the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And I remember talking to him about, you know, boy, you – not in these words, but I inferred that you weren't supposed to win this game. You you played over your heads maybe a little bit and all that. And he goes, look, he goes, I don't know what is said in the outside world. I don't really care. I go into every game. He said, I went to Ohio State. I go into every game thinking that we are going to win. And I know how good Jacksonville is. We studied them. But, and they're probably a top 10 team. But, I look at us and I say, why not us? I think we're better. And I think it was a good view into the psyche of a young quarterback who believes in himself and doesn't listen to the outside world saying, well, kid, you know, just wait your turn. He's not waiting his turn. He's taking it now, which is why I think, sincerely, Houston's got a chance to go in there and win this game. I don't think they will, but I don't think it's out of the question that they can win this game the key is they're learning how to win they learned how to win last week against the bucks the defense let them down 46 seconds left the texans get the ball back cj stroud takes them down 
the field to get the victory to cap that 470 yard day a rookie single game record five touchdown passes as well he really has been great and they're in position to make a move you know every year right around this time thanksgiving week or two somebody finds the gas pedal and off they go and the texans are in position to do it and i wouldn't have dreamed they would have been able to but the bengals the bengals have shown us that they figured things out healthy joe burrow huge difference you mentioned t higgins he will not play he's expected to miss the game jamar chase says in my head i'm playing until further notice that sounds a little equivocal and that sounds like he's beginning to accept that maybe he won't play the texans have 23 guys on their injury report this week that doesn't mean anything until we know who's not playing so we'll see how that goes but look at that very lengthy injury report after that intense game against the Buccaneers to get them to four and four. But one of the great games of the weekend, Peter, there are five games this weekend involving teams that are at or above 500 consequential games. As we get closer to Thanksgiving and start the home stretch of the season, a lot of great teams in the AFC Bengals. We expected Texans. We didn't, but they have a chance to be right there. Let's go ahead and take a break. Coming up next, the Friday staple in season. Show me something draft. We'll show you who we pick for Show Me Something, when PFT Live continues right after this. It might be fair or not fair to have, to be expecting Kyler Murray of before, mm-hmm. right away. Is that a fair way to look at it? Are you trying to look at it that way? No, no, no. He told me that's my face, and I kind of laughed at him. But it's, uh, no, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I understand the thought process, you know, but every time I touch the field, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do my thing. And that's, um, you know, obviously win, you know, but but do it at a high level, you know. And um, I understand the thought process behind, you know, hey, take it slow, you know, be, don't be don't be too hard on yourself. Because um, I, I missed all the reps, you know, I missed all the camp reps, I missed all the preseason. Um, you know, this is week, what, 9, 10, whatever it is, you know, I've missed all this time, you know, sort of go into it thinking that, um, like, I hear what he's saying, but, you know, uh, that's not in my, you know, that's not in my head, so. Tyler Murray coming back this weekend after suffering the torn ACL last December. We'll see what he does against the Atlanta Falcons. It's show me something time. That's our draft every Friday in season. Peter King, you're up. Show me something to Sean Watson. And look, it might be a little bit too much to expect Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns to go into the hottest team in football's stadium. That's wrong grammatically. Uh, but to go into M&T Bank Stadium and beat an arch rival uh, when the arch rival is playing so well. But look, these are the games that Deshaun Watson was brought to Cleveland to win games that are crucial for his team's playoff hopes. And and look, he in his last two starts that he's played the majority of the game, he's completed 70%, has not thrown an interception, and is starting to show signs that maybe, you know, with his injured shoulder, despite his injured shoulder, he can be a good to very good NFL quarterback again. But this is the kind of game that he needs to do it in. Not against uh, the, the Tennessee Titans, which was one of them, and not against the Arizona Cardinals. Against the arch rivals in their place with a bloodthirsty crowd, uh, it's going to treat him like crap. Show me something, Deshaun Watson. Show me something, Geno Smith. 
He's got seven interceptions in eight games this year. Turnovers have become an issue for the Seattle offense. He told reporters yesterday, it starts with me. Pete Carroll not yet calling out Geno Smith, and I know he's been great in this second act of his career, but we know how the contract was structured. They can get out of it after this year. You've got to protect the football to be the quarterback of Pete Carroll's offense. He, probably more than any other coach, focused on defense, protect the ball, be conservative on offense, take your shots only carefully, and don't screw up when you do. At some point, Drew Locke's name is going to be more than just whispered. You know, in Seattle, it's going to spread if Geno Smith doesn't take better care of the ball. That's what he needs to do this weekend against the Commanders. Show me something, Bijan Robinson. Look, this has been, you know, if you're Arthur Smith right now, if you're the coach of the Atlanta Falcons, every press conference you have, you're getting beat over the head by the Matthew Berries of the world, and you're being told that you are mishandling this generational talent. And again, look, I have not talked to Arthur Smith. I don't know everything about why he's doing what he's doing. But I do think that the Atlanta Falcons have given the ball to B. John Robinson, had him touch the ball 25 times in the last three games. 25 times in three games. You don't draft somebody in the top 10 of an NFL draft to give the ball to him eight times a game. So show me something, B. John Robinson. Go to Arizona, a team absolutely unequivocally that you've got to beat if you're the Atlanta Falcons. Show me, B. John Robinson, why you were drafted uh, in the top 10 of this draft. And show me something, Arthur Smith. Let your big, big weapon on offense touch the ball more than an average of eight times a game. Show me something, George Pickens, and not what you showed all of us, including your teammates last Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. Teammates doing what they can to prop him up after a frustrating night against Tennessee. Coach Mike Tomlin trying to act like there's nothing to see here. There was plenty to see there. There were plenty of issues, and now George Pickens has to get refocused, has to accept whatever his role is, and has to hope that the Steelers will find ways to get him the ball more often and – when you got a touchdown in the end zone and all you got to do is get your toe in, don't put your whole foot down and step out of bounds. That was disappointing because people like me who think George Pickens can be among the best receivers in the NFL need to be able to point to that play and say he scored a touchdown, not why did he step out of bounds. So play a little better, wait for your opportunities, and try not to get frustrated if the opportunities don't come. Show me something, George Pickens. We're going to show you a quick break. We'll have one more round of Show Me Something Draft when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, there are picks so far. Show Me Something Draft for Week 10. Peter, give me round three. Show Me Something Jared Goff. This is Goff's second time back at SoFi Stadium uh, since he was traded by the Rams to Detroit. And look, Obviously, you look at this game and you say the Detroit Lions are better than the Chargers. They should win. The Chargers are coming off a Monday night game. They put up 27 points, seven of those obviously on a punt return. They got a very explosive offense and a quarterback who has not played explosively so far this year. Jared Goff's going to have to put up some points in this game for the Detroit Lions to win it. 
He's been good, but he's not been spectacular this year. Show me something, Jared Goff. Go home, play great, and get your team to 7-2. and two. Show me something, or should I say, show me anything, New York Jets offense. If we accept Coach Robert Sala's <laughs> position that it's a collective failure, then I'm putting it on everyone. The entire group of players, the entire group of coaches. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is the problem. Maybe it's the line. Maybe it's Zach Wilson. Maybe it's the receivers. Regardless, it stinks. It's Zach Peter. Wilson. <laughs> We're going to have, on Sunday Night Football, the Jets and the Raiders on NBC, and there will be millions who will not complain if the game switches over to Heidi near the conclusion. They may want to see Heidi. <laughs> That's very good. That's it. Great work as always, Peter. Enjoy the games, everybody. See you Monday morning. Is it just me, or is it getting really hard to figure out the best way to save for retirement? Fidelity can help you find clarity so you can save the best way for you. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement your way. Get started at fidelity.com slash future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.